Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee here. You know what we're doing over here. It's myself and normally a guest from around the world talking about a Metallica song today. We are talking about Ronnie from Load. And uh, I am looking forward to this one, actually. A lot of people have had a lot of opinions on this song, and we'll get to that shortly. If you want to come on and discuss a track, metallicapod.gmail.com. If indeed you just want to come on and discuss a concert or a top ten or, you know, whatever, like, I'm, I'm down to do that. I'm happy to do that. So, metallicapod.gmail.com, get in touch with me there, at metallicapod on Twitter. That's where I post a lot of the news and, you know, the new releases to do with the show and anything else like that. And also ask for your opinions on songs which I did this morning, and I've got some great tweets to read out what people uh, regard Ronnie. Also, the Patreon is there, patreon.com forward slash alphabetallica. If you want to give back to the show, if you want to listen to episodes like this, you know, weeks before they come out, there's a dedicated RSS feed on there, download straight to your phone. I've also started a new video series that is very much in its infancy, but it's going to ramp up soon. Little maybe five, ten minute videos each where I'm going to be going through each issue of So What, of which there's like 97 issues of this magazine, by the way. I didn't actually realise until today when I got a complete list on my hands. So, um, yeah, they're going to be on there first. You might have seen it already. I'm not quite sure when this episode is going to come out, but it's going to be coming out very shortly. That'll be on there. Also, leave us a review on iTunes. I think that's about it, really. Subscribe on YouTube. Comment down below. Go back through the feed. Check out some episodes you might have missed back in the past two years or so. But uh, yeah, as it is, myself and a guest today joined from Edmonton, Canada with Phil. Phil, how's it going, sir? It's going really well, Tom. How are you? Very well. And uh, you're a comic fan, right? I think that's how we first started speaking at Phil Comics. Phil's Comics? Is that your Phil's Comics. Uh, uh, yeah, there's there's a, a store somewhere that, that decided they're called Phil's Comics. Right. But I had the Twitter handle already and they just created one called Phil Comics. Okay. And I get all their tweets. I, <laughs> <laughs> I actually went to London yesterday. I'm you know heavily into battle rap, but I found out on the coach that the event was cancelled. So London is like this great mecca, uh, certainly in England, for comics. Obviously, the original Forbidden Planet there and whatever. And I went to this comic book store that I'd never been to before called 30th Century Comics in Putney, which is a really old school store. There's no Funko Pops in sight. It's like two <laughs> floors of proper bagged and boarded Silver Age shit. It, it, it was absolutely brilliant. I mean, I don't know. Are you familiar with Future Shocks from 2000 AD? No, I'm not. I think I, I can probably picture the logo in my head. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of this, you know, 2000 AD, though, the sort of, you know, yep. premier British comic of the 80s. It's still going sort of thing. But anyway, what they used to do was have these things called Future Shocks, which would show this kind of far off future in five pages. They were kind of how they got their writers on early on before they did continuances. Alan Moore started doing them, Grant Morrison, etc. I mean, I don't really know where I'm going with this story. But I basically got volume one <laughs> of Future Shocks and it was great. And um, I think I saw in your Twitter bio as well, like, you know, you, something about collecting comics, never-ending thing, right? Yeah, the, the, the line I nicked from somebody else was that there's no real end game. <laughs> because, I, I mean, you can you can start with one title, and as long as they keep producing it monthly, you're going to keep buying that. And then eventually, it doesn't matter, you're going to find something older that you missed out on, so you're going to go back and buy that. And then that guy's going to have a writer that you really like, so you want to chase his work. Mm-hmm. And then it's this ridiculous web of... of there's so many options, only so many dollars and only so much time. There is, there is. I mean, final comic book chat. I know uh, Ronnie fans are pulling their hair out right now. but um, Both of them, f- sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll send you a link because I'll ask if you're familiar with them, but I'm sure you probably won't be just because they're quite obscure. Comic book geezers. Have you heard of these guys on YouTube? 
I have not. They're these two, like, 50-year-olds who, you know, became friends in college who love 70s and 80s Marvel DC comics, and they just dip in their collection. They'll do, like, an episode on Magneto or horror comics, and they'll just show what's in their collection and talk about them. They're brilliant. They're really good. Uh, Pete and Wild Bill. So anyone else out there listening who wants to listen to stuff like that. But you and Metallica, that happened in the 90s, right? That's when you started getting into them. Yeah, right in the early 90s. There was a <clears throat> sort of a mutual friend. We were all together at uh, at one guy's house. And me and two other friends, well, me and a friend from school and then a friend of his, had were trying to put together a band. My parents made the mistake of buying me a guitar for my birthday. And we were talking about putting together a band. And I mean, back then, that just meant playing covers. Yeah. So we're sitting around, whatever, and this, this guy who's going to be our bass player just pulls this tape out and says, hey, if we're going to do a band, we should play this. And he sticks, it's Justice for All, and he sticks in and he plays one. Mm. And it was... It was transformational. Like I was already kind of hitting that era where I was just kind of coming out of being a kid and realizing that all the songs that I'm hearing on, because I grew up in Nova Scotia, a very small town in Nova Scotia, and everything on the radio, all the songs you heard were about love or girls (laughs) or boys or girls who love boys and boys who can't. And it was just I'd I'd kind of just come to this realization that this is there's got to be more out there. And to have this guy put that tape on with that intro, it was just. I mean, I, I had heard nothing like it. And this was just a few months before the video, the advanced single friend or Sandman dropped. Mm. So between hearing that song and thinking, I got to look into these Metallica guys and then enter Sandman coming on and the Black Album changing the world, if you yeah. will. I was hooked from that point on. And I mean, going through beyond that then, like, you know, we're dealing with a low track now. Have you been steadfast in your adoration of the band? Have you wavered? Not for a second. Mm-hmm. No. And, and I, you know, I credit... I've I've tried to be I don't I never want to be that grumpy old man that hates new music or hates the stuff uh-huh. that kids listen to or whatever and tried to keep an open mind when I listen to new stuff and I I you know load in particular and Saint Anger as well even just from the Metallica options sort of help propel that because you I don't want to look at this is my favorite band these are my guys and you look at this record and it's not what you thought it was going to no. be whether it be load you know or Saint Anger did the same thing just in a different direction yeah I mean I mean Ronnie is just as shocking as all within my hands in a certain way. Oh, I agree. I imagine when someone says, and I don't know if you know any people who don't like Load, um, but when someone says they, they don't like the record, I have to assume this is one of the tracks they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It is the epitome of that. I mean, you never go full cowboy, I guess. And, <laughs> you, you know, they cross the prairie line, as it were, uh, in that. But just before we get to Ronnie, I mean, we mentioned collections before. You've got quite a sizable Metallica collection in and of itself, right? I mean, you, you mentioned in the email you've got a Metallica laser disc? Yeah, I've got... It was Damn, the, I didn't um, even know they existed of Metallica. Well, it's it's not Metallica all by themselves. They oh, right. did a... You know the concert they did in, in Moscow? Oh, cool. Yeah, with Pantera and ACDC. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. so there was... It, they did it... I think there was a VHS release. There was scheduled to be a DVD, but that never came out. And I really want... That concert is seminal. Oh, legendary. Yeah, yeah. So I needed legendary. to have something better than the shitty VHS tape that I had. So I tracked down on eBay the Laserdisc of it. Cool, yeah. And I think yeah. there was... Black Crows were on it yeah, as well. Yeah, Black Crows, Pantera, ACDC, Metallica, and there was, and there was a, a local... Russian band, I think they were yeah. called ST or something, if I remember something correctly. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, we did an episode with Dave a long time ago doing the, the that concert, but yeah, that is an incredible concert by the boys, and just in general as well, like historically. I'm telling you, 
if that box set, whatever they do, the deluxe box set for the Black Album, yeah. if that concert isn't on there on DVD, I'm throwing the whole thing the, in the river. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you look at like the, the Master of Puppets box set. It's like, okay, cool. We don't need six shows from the New York Ballroom. Like, I love that they're yeah. there, but we don't need all of these. Don't need all these Leper Messiah alternative takes. But yeah, you're so right. They need to immortalize that. And um, yeah, so, and they didn't even headline it. I, I don't think I've even seen the ACDC performance from that. Oh, it's pretty good. Yeah. It was just I have to assume it was just because of the, the whole atmosphere of the day yeah. um, and the event itself. But everybody had a crazy performance like they were all just yeah. top notch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, pushing on to Ronnie then, like you listen to this in real time, which is an enviable position. So do you remember Ronnie sticking out perhaps as a, you know, a fawn? I don't want to say within, that doesn't really make sense, but you know what I mean? Was it one of these ones, or was it just this kind of, the whole album in of itself was quite offensive, I suppose. Not necessarily to you, but I guess to general sensibilities regarding the band. Sure. Well, I mean, I don't see how the track couldn't stick out. Mm-hmm. They're the same guys that did Master of Puppets and Fade to Black and One have yeah. now done this country-esque, I think we could call it. Oh, yeah. Definitely Southern rock, Southern whatever. Absolutely. But almost country. And I mean, at the same time, even on all the media stuff, James is no, his hair is shorter. He's wearing a cowboy hat. What the fuck is that? That's not my, you know, you look at the Metal Edge magazine with the the, the picture from just a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, it definitely stuck out. It's it's not sound wise, vibe wise. It's nothing like they something they'd done before. And we start off with that riff, which is rooted to the A string with some real wrenching bends you know as if james is like juicing an orange or, or something like that like i actually really quite like this riff and this opening sequence i think it has some actual swagger that the band were trying to attain with songs like poor twisted me i think it just comes across a bit more convincing and also i really like jason's baseline underneath the riff he's, he's doing quite a lot I agree. And certainly, like, despite what I said earlier, actually, I love this song. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd forgotten how much I like it until I, I had a chance to sort of listen to it 40 times, get ready for this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's, Lars was pretty public at the time when he talked about sort of scaling down his drum kit. After hanging out with the Alice in Chains guys and, mm-hmm. and playing Sean Kinney's kit for a while, he wanted to kind of get away from all this technical thrashing of all kinds of 30,000 drums around him and get right back down to a simple groove. And this this song, to me, totally exemplifies that I think it was a bit of a success. I think it was a really cool kind of swaggery vibe in the in the song that that they hadn't done before. Yeah, I I like this song as well. Like I am, I am a self-professed load hater. Like check out any of the other load episodes. Of course, we've gone <laughs> through. And I mean, we just did Poor Twisted Me quite recently. I think that was the most recent one we went through. Uh, Outlaw Torn as well came up. And like, I prefer Ronnie. I prefer Ronnie over Cure, over Poor Twisted Me, over Wasting My Hate, over Form Within, over Outlaw Torn. I think it, I think, you know, it gets its shit out well. And another thing it does well throughout, I like Kirk's feels in the background. I think a lot of it's quite, quite tasteful and thoughtful and not kind of this absent noodling that's just quote unquote bluesy that he did before. Yeah, and definitely the, the, one of the nice things things about it is there's no solo in it, so you mm-hmm. can't bitch about that this time. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I noticed that when I was back. When I was like, there's no actual lead break. I mean, there are certain times when you know James sings the line um, "Miles and Miles," I think in the second verse, uh, and then and then you know, Kirk sort of canters off somewhat there, and he's constantly in the background. He's a bit like a. a I guess not, not really in Sam Lee, but like Mark Knopfler or someone that's always providing these little lickly lines behind. Um, let's get into the lyrics. Let's get into the subject matter, actually, because as most people know, this was based on a school shooting. 
uh, in Washington, 1995. The shooter was Ron Brown. I don't know how deeply you've looked into this, Phil, but I was hoping to find a juicy Wikipedia article or two about this. I've searched Washington State. I've searched 95. I've searched Metallica. I've searched Ronnie. Barely anything comes up. I just, I don't know whether this is a minor incident in America amongst many, but you'd think there'd be a little thing because it's immortalized by the mighty Metallica. I had the exact same problem. I came, the closest thing I could find to what I would call a valid citation was Mick Wall wrote about it in his Inner Night book. Yeah. But outside of that, I found, and I mean, any searches I came up with was just discussion on a Reddit forum or there was nothing. I couldn't find a Wikipedia article like you said, nothing at all. Yeah, so I assume it happened, but I can't. I wouldn't be the one to come out and say, "Well, this is definitely based on this." Yeah, yeah, it's 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 odd. I need to canvas so what a little more. Maybe they talked about it in there in that era. But you know, even I mean, quite grimly, but quite fascinatingly on Wikipedia, they have this huge timeline of all the shootings in the U.S. And I was looking mm-hmm. at '95, and I was looking for Washington State, and nothing came up there. But I mean, yeah, regardless, this is you know, real, as well as sonically, lyrically, real new territory for Hetfield. Definitely, definitely. And some of the lyrics for me, I don't know, they, you know, small town boy, big time frown. Like, his frown is big time. Like, it's just, I don't know, it's a little like he just went for that uh, juxtaposition there without really having much forethought. Yeah. And, yeah, there's no confetti, no parade. I mean, you know, some of the ideas here, obviously, about the school shooting, you know, the bloodstained wash away and all that. And there is this kind of choral aspect to it. And the chorus is fixed on the main riff. It kind of follows that melody to you. I mean, what, what do you think about the way the song sounds in terms of that melody? It, 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 I love it because it gets your attention right away. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's this sort of the, the, the bendy stringness of it. And yep. there's there's definitely an overall vibe of of. Uh, you, know, you just kind of walking by some guy's house in the south, yep. and he's out on his out his front porch, noodling on a guitar, and he sees you say, "Saddle on up, let me tell you a story." <laughs> and it goes, you don't know what's coming with that that opening bit, and then mm-hmm. the song goes really dark, really fast. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I mean, yeah, I, that that porch image is is pretty rich. Actually, yeah, I can totally see that. And uh, the second riff as well, the doo 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 doo, which is literally just using this sort of a octave. And I quite like the verse riff as well. I really like the looseness of it. The slide into kind of the muted pick strumming here. And, you know, I I don't... Yeah, Ronnie, again, I kind of know what people would hate it for what it is, for what it represents. But if you dig into it as a song, it isn't really that bad. Like, I I remember my cousin, actually, who introduced me to Metallica, always kind of, you know, really downplaying this song and being like one of their worst songs. And I just, because of him, I always sort of hated it. But listening to it more and more, it has grown on me as I go forward. And I think the band worked well in it. I mean, you know, it's five minutes, 17. It's not the longest song on load. It's quite long, really, for just a song in general. Are there any parts that are tepid to you or does it coast across quite successfully? No, I mean, if if anything, you could probably cut one repeated part of the chorus off at the end of the song. But I don't feel like it's overly tubby. Like there's not a whole lot of weight that needs to be lost there. No. No, I agree. And again, I want to reiterate that I do quite like Kirk's playing. Even in the verses, he's just doing certain slide ideas that just bring out some things. And, you know, Hetfield is really enjoying inhabiting this role as well. I mean, the way he says, like, pow kit as well. And, you know, he's got that sleazy redneck Hetfield. And, um, I mean, yeah, all in all, I, I, I don't think it's a bad number. I think it's a bit of an underrated number. And... Whilst a lot of Load and Reload haven't been played live, and I can, you know, I understand it, Ronnie, I think, would work. I think it'd be received well. 
See, I don't know. Like as much as I love the song, I don't. I don't think they've ever played it. This played this one live. No, they've never but, played it. That's yeah. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I th- there were rumors that S and M they were maybe rehearsing it for that or something. But I wouldn't say that. But I say if you play this in Arkansas, they're gonna fucking love it. Yeah, I think it would have maybe limited appeal outside of that. Plus, I don't know where you'd sandwich it in the set. But no, uh, I mean, I, I'd be all for it. But I <laughs> creeping could totally see death into Ronnie, I think, <laughs> makes the most sense. I'd pay extra to see that. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we're going to sort of dirty kind of post-fuel slot or something like that. Like, you know, like they've kind of, I, yeah, I, I see. If they ever did, like, you know, they used to do the Justice medley. If they did a load-reload medley, this riff would get a lot of reaction. You know, it's one of the more memorable from load. You could start with that. If you do a load-reload medley, you could definitely start with this one. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I just, I, I do like the bending in the riff as well. Um, I, I, yeah, there's something quite nourishing about it, and you know, you hate to overuse this word, but there's something so southern about it in the best possible way. Like I've been listening to a lot of Little Feet recently, and 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 they do these kind of similar mechanics, as we always do. We reach out to you guys uh, at Metallica Pod. It's always good to see what you think about this song. Ralph saying, I have a weird relationship with this song and Poor Twisted Me and to a lesser extent Cure. Sometimes I dig this song and other times I rather dislike it. Ronnie does have quite a bit of swagger and interesting lyrics, but I think it should have been a B-side. It strays too far. It's just too experimental. I get what they were trying to do. It just doesn't seem like it should have been on a proper Metallica album. Some self-editing during this time period would have helped the loads a lot. I think if they trimmed some fat, you'd end up with some classics, especially with Load. I mean, kind of reiterate what you were saying before phil and i certainly do agree I, I there's no reason why ronnie shouldn't be like four minutes ten like yeah there's there's a bit of repetition towards the end there is there is certainly and that's kind of indicative of these kind of longer porch jams as it were they, they've not got this sort of yeah, that, that that constructual structural tightness uh nick sang actually like it some of the more pointed lyrics that James wrote that don't have multiple meanings. Sadly, the lyrics are still topical here in the US. Metalla Carl saying, it's one of the two songs I would cut from the album along with Cure. There's just too many bluesy swagger songs on Load, which is why I like Reload better. And then he gives a shout out to... Uh, and then he gives a shout out to Clint from Metal at Your Podcast there as well. And uh, Tommy saying, I love this track. If the lyrics and excuse, and excuse the pun kill it, because of the lyrics and the excused upon killer swagger that it has. Yeah, it wears on you on a bit. Yeah, it wears on you a bit, but I wholly enjoy it nonetheless. I particularly dig how Lars initially accents the upbeat of the riff with the kick before turning around when he comes in. Adrian saying, ultimate swagger, catchy as hell, makes me want to shoot people. Wow. Uh, Cat saying, honestly, one of my favourites. Tritton saying, being the second to load lap... Being second to last track of Load, Ronnie takes the blame for all the poor twisted songs of the album, in my opinion. Though I don't like the cocky tone of the song, the groove is so hypnotic. I always have to come back to it. A filler track, but a decent one nonetheless. And the riff does have that nature, doesn't it, Phil? You can sort of get lost in it. Like, I think those opening moments where the riff is establishing itself and the drums are coming in and then the whole rhythm is being propelled forward, like, it, you know, it works brilliantly. I, I totally agree. And I think even further to that, I, I, one of the things I've always loved about Metallica in particular is that for most songs, not everything across the board, uh, and certainly in lesser eras with some of the Kirk stuff, but it, in a lot of cases, you can take any one of their songs and break it down to individual performances, and each one is enough to hook you in. Mm-hmm. And then you put it all together. And I, I honestly, like for all the love that, that the riff's getting, Lars's drums on this are awesome to me. They're just totally laid back. They're almost, they almost feel like they're a hair late on where they should be but it totally works for the swagger mm-hmm. they're going for yeah yeah i think this is you know load went off into so many different directions and they were trying so much there and i appreciate their ambition 
And I think you can point to Ronnie as being, you know, a successful experiment in that right, really. I do like the track. And just quickly going on to our Facebook group, if you're not following us on there already, just search Alf Metallica on Facebook. We essentially post the same things on Twitter. They're asking your opinions on songs, etc. Uh, Russell saying, Ronnie is highly underrated. Even though Load isn't musically their best album, Ronnie for me is a standout track as it was my as it was a favourite of my friends and I growing up in middle school. Amazing riff intro, as you said, offbeat drum kick and decent singing on lyrics. One of my favourites in the album for sure. And finally, Rob saying Rob, who was on for Outlaw Torn fairly recently, my least favourite Metallica song between the shrieking guitar licks and the downright horseshit lyrics. This wannabe Jeremy should have never made it onto an album. I, I, you know, wannabe Jeremy. I can see the comparison. Absolutely. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah. I mean, uh, Jeremy or Ronnie, what's the better song for you? Oh, I I mean, I love I love Metallica, but I think Jeremy's Jeremy's better track. song. Yeah, yeah, Jeremy's better. The, the vocal melody in Jeremy is astonishing. Like the the the, the leaps and bounds that the Veda does on that as well. Just, yeah, yeah, Jeremy is just a way superior song. Let us know metallicaproducer.com. Ronnie or Jeremy, what where, where do you stand on that divide? But um any uh, any final thoughts on Ronnie for yourself, Phil? You know, there's a when when Load came out, there was a there was a big thing. They they for the first time kind of broke out James and Kirk and had each one gave them sort of their own voice and effectively their own speaker in the mix for all these songs. Have you ever seen classic albums? I assume when they break down oh, a record the, with the, the documentaries. Yeah, yeah, I love those. Yeah. yeah, if you could get uh, like a multi-track setup and play Load and be able to to isolate different parts, I think this is a song that would be just fascinating to hear. Just listen to one guitar for the entire song. And then the other guitar for me, because it's, I mean, sometimes it kind of get lost, gets lost in the mix, what each guy is playing. And I think to be able to hear them on their own would be just a whole other level of how cool the song can be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To hear the stems would be, uh, would be a triumph. So we will close with a few quick five questions, Phil. The first of which being, what is your favorite Metallica song? And Justice for All. And Justice for All. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I remember listening to your episode of that one really early on. And, and I know that some people think it could lose a couple minutes and still be okay mm-hmm. and i give me five more minutes at the end part i love it yeah i i mean my criticism back then and that funnily enough that episode i had my friend sam on that i do the top mates podcast with that is the most complained about alf metallica episode people had a real really because he, he doesn't really know metallica and he was like making loads of spurious claims that i just didn't correct him on but um but yeah no i, I you know the more time i spend with that song the more i just you know adore the main riff the jackhammerness of it and also the, the legato hammering on parts and the whole track is amazing for me the only criticism is that the the middle bridge part is just the intro with distortion whereas master establishes a whole new composition but yeah you know it's your favorite song i'm not gonna tell you why it's bad but that you know, <laughs> um what about album yeah also on justice for all yeah I think, yeah, I think, I think because it was sort of the it was my introduction. It was the first one, and I I mean I really just do appreciate those songs the most. But it's hard to pick a favorite out of all. It them. is, it is. Yeah, I think if I did a census, obviously I ask this question at the end of every episode. I think most people have said Justice more than Master or any other album actually, which is not surprising. But yeah, interesting. Um, what about favorite member of the band? That's that's a really tough one. Like I think without any thought, knee jerk reaction, I'd say James. Mm-hmm. But honestly, if I had the opportunity to to sort of sit down and do like this kind of thing or like a podcast style interview, whatever with one of them, I, I might go with Lars. Okay. Just because his, his like he, there's nothing about Metallica. He doesn't know. No. That's so do you know what I mean? And he, his memory for stuff is incredible. And I mean, I, I had the, I, I had a chance to meet them a few years ago Yes. and his, his openness and, and willingness to chat with people and his kindness, man, for super rich rock stars, none of them have any business being that nice. 
I mean, the next question is seeing them live. So that ties into meeting the guys. Like, I mean, how many times have you seen them live, first of all? Uh, six times now. Six times. Cool. So w- when, when was the occasion when you actually met them? It was so before they did uh, through the never that was they did two shows. Well, they did two shows plus a bunch of pickup shots in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Before that, they did two shows in Edmonton, um, just sort of as a warm up. Mm. I have no idea why they picked Edmonton. I'm grateful that they did. Uh, but I was in the fan club at the time. And so that gave you the opportunity to apply for meet and greet passes because they were doing that for every show. Yeah. Uh, this is back when it was still free to apply. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I was just sitting at work one day and I got the email that congratulations, you've been selected for uh, meet and greet passes. And then I got a second email uh, a few minutes later saying that with the meet and greet passes also came snake pit passes. Mm. So for one of the four shows, because I mean, all four shows were, were put to film. And there's a couple shots that you can tell for sure in that movie that are from the Edmonton concerts because the great big Edmonton Oilers logos and stuff in the cool. background. Um, but for for the first of the two shows that were there, I got to meet the band, uh, watch it from inside the stage, and I don't think that will ever be beat. <laughs> and who did you meet? Lars? Anyone else? Yeah, all four of them, actually. We were pretty lucky. They tell you in advance that there's no guarantee you're going to meet any or all of the members. And we got all four. Well, they, they take it... I mean, if you want the whole story, please. Yeah, they uh, so you meet in in sort of an identified spot at the venue and they uh, they, they had to pay us ten dollars each because we were technically at that point unpaid extras. So to <laughs> pay us ten dollars um, and they, they sort of once everyone's there and, and gathered this big, tall security dude hauls you underneath the bowels of whatever venue mm. and then they just stick you in some random green room. And so they had us in this room kind of in an L shape in, in two of the four walls in, in the in the thing and just kind of standing there waiting for whoever's going to come by to come by. And Rob was the first one to come in. Um, and he was talking about how he'd gone surfing that morning and flown in from Hawaii nice. while the rest of us are freezing outside yeah. waiting for the show to start. <laughs> um, yeah. And it was, you know, it's, I really enjoyed seeing what other people's reaction was going to be. Cause I mean, everyone dreams about, Oh, I'm going to meet my heroes. It's going to be great. And then you get put in that position. You realize, what am I going to say? Like, cause I don't want to yeah. be that fanboy who's just, Oh, your music changed my life. Or yeah, you saved yeah. this, or wow, that riff was great. Because mm-hmm. then you come off like the Chris Farley show, and I didn't want to do that. <laughs> um, and it really was, I was stunning. So Rob comes through and starts making his way uh, through the lineup, and the next guy to come in was Lars. And the room made significantly more noise when Lars came in. Oh, yeah. And what surprised me was he kind of came in and he went to the far side of the room, which is closer to kind of where I was. And as he's making his way down the line talking to people, He's 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 kind of picking up that no one's making a whole lot of chat because we're all Canadian. We're all very, you know, very sure. polite. And no one interrupt anybody. So he starts quizzing us. He starts quizzing us on Edmonton Oilers trivia Damn. about who, who the Oilers farm team was and then who that team's farm team was. And I mean, that gave me the opportunity to talk with him because no one was saying anything. And I yeah. knew the answer because I follow the Oilers. That was yeah. pretty easy. But even if he just sort of looked that up on Wikipedia the night before, an hour before, whatever, five minutes we're walking through the door, he didn't have to do that. Uh-huh. So for him to take that few extra minutes and just look up some local trivia to give him something to talk to people about, I thought was just really, really that's kind. Amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. And, uh, and then, yeah, then, yeah, Kirk, then Kirky Kirk, Boy or James or? I, I, between the two, I don't remember because at that yeah. point I was actively talking to Lars and I didn't want to screw it up. But. You know, James kind of went the other direction. So eventually they crossed over as they're going through the lineup. But I remember, you know, even a few people down, if you remember, James has had a couple of times he's had problems with his back. Mm-hmm. And there was a fellow, a few guys down from me that was talking about how he'd hurt his back and what a pain it was. And then he tried to cut himself off. He just said, listen, I'm I'm sorry. I don't do me to waste. I know you got other people to get to. And James stopped him 
and said, no, 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 this is your time with us, man. What do you what do you want to talk about? Damn. There was no handler there that was I mean, there were people there's like security and there was yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the Metall- live Metallica woman with the video camera and stuff who is Canadian. Uh-huh. Um, but there was no handler there that was rushing people through. It was well. I mean, imagine it going as well as you can expect. And then it goes even better. It was incredible. I think I think like if I saw James in the flesh, I'd probably burst into tears. Like I just be this rush of emotion. Like yeah, it's it, hard not to have that emotion. Like yeah, just I mean genuinely like all the other guys and obviously Lars as well is the coolest motherfucker on the planet, but just something about James that just yeah. I mean what what a guy. And I know that he doesn't do that too often. I know he's a bit like a like Neil Pert, like doesn't really do it. Does well obviously Rush aren't going anymore. But um, I don't think he did it. Sorry, I'm just assuming that you you like Rush because you're Canadian. That is probably a bad assumption <laughs> on my part. That's a fairly safe assumption, I think. <laughs> have you listened to Triumph, by the way? I have. I, had, I worked with a guy who was really big into Triumph. And one day he just came into work and sort of thrust all these albums in my face. Right, so I had to yeah. come home and listen to them. So Triumph, for people, I'm slowly getting into Triumph like, over the past week or so. They're always compared to Rush. They're a free piece. They're really, like, got these huge, you know, histrionics on the fretboard and that sort of stuff. Lay It On The Line is such a good song. Oh, my God. I know it's kind of passed me by as, as this Brit over here. But, yeah, Triumph, great. Amazing that you met them as well. Um, what Any other times you saw them? You saw them on the Madly in Anger tour, right? Madly in Anger, the yeah, world tour. I mean, I've been a fan, obviously, since just before the Black Album. and. Mm embarrassingly it took me until the madly anger with the world tour to see them because they kept they were always crossing the country when i was going the other way like right, right. I'm, I'm assuming you've seen canada on a map it's a fairly large landmass <laughs> yeah. and and so outside of from here to calgary maybe here to sort of saskatoon or winnipeg maybe vancouver if you're lucky that's it as far as places you can get to via car so if you're going right. to see them outside of those spots you're flying and that just meant that every time they were within a flight or a drive of me i was on the other side of the country and i mean where else have you seen them then? You seen them on the Worldwide tour or? Yeah, I saw a few. No, you know what? I missed. I missed Worldwide entirely. Okay. Uh, I caught. So I, I caught uh, Madly in Anger with with the World here in Edmonton, and mm-hmm. then on the Death Magnetic various tours, I saw one in Winnipeg, one here in Edmonton, one in Calgary, and then uh, the last one. There was one other one here that I saw right. earlier on too. And um, I guess the well, the final question: If you were to start a podcast like this about a band that you love, what's a band you'd like to cover? You know, knowing that question was coming, it's it's really tempting to sort of throw one way to left field. And like, I'm going to start far beyond these podcast walls. The world's okay. first ever Christaberg podcast. But that's wow. a lie. I would, no, I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, I don't, you know, it's it's tough to say. Megadeth's an easy choice. Yeah, um, yeah that'd be I good think, one. I think Def Leppard would be fun. Simply Def because Leppard would be good, yeah. If you want to talk about bands that have had lengthy careers but face diminishing returns, I think Def Leppard's a good example. Are you Are you a big Def Leppard fan? I am, yeah. I only know one album, and I think it's brilliant. High and Dry. High and Dry was fantastic. That does not get enough attention. What an album! Yeah, it's great. Love that record. Like, yeah, I I tried to get into Hysteria. I did. It it was slightly too shiny for me. Maybe I need to try again. Oh, it's the shiniest of shinies. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a reflective. Start with Pyromania. Pyram- it's still yeah. little. It, it's kind of the, the happy medium. Even it's close to the hysteria side, but it's kind of the happy medium between high and dry and, and and hysteria. And if you can get on board with pyromania, maybe that can be your bridge to hysteria. Yeah, I had someone on the show recently, and he does a podcast on divisive albums, and he he covered Def Leppard's like grunge album or something from the early nineties. I forget what it's called. It's called like Switch Slang. Or slang. 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 That's yeah. it. Slang. Yeah. Okay. That was. That was. He, he picked a great album to illustrate that topic. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Def Leppard podcast. Why not? I think I've just Googled it now. There are no Def Leppard podcasts out there. 
again, people, I said this every episode, there is not a Nirvana podcast out there. Go do a Nirvana podcast. You will, mind. Yeah, like... But there's lots of I think there's not there's not like a Michael Jackson podcast that which I mean maybe today's climate might be a good thing but like, that's touchy yeah yeah that, I mean literally <laughs> but uh, but yeah that is uh, <laughs> that, that's all good yeah but like there's uh, Prince I searched recently and there's like nine Prince podcasts so some people like Metallica and Pearl Jam attract these hubs and you know others don't whatever but um okay, okay final question as well just out of interest as a comic book reader what what is your favorite graphic novel comic book series um. I, you know, uh, I mean, they're kind of two different things, but it, it is, but I kind of get where you're coming from. You know what? I'll just go to sort of a generic question. I absolutely love the work that Jim Starlin did uh, for Marvel in the early 90s when he was doing uh, well, all the way back to the 70s. When anytime Jim Starlin writes Thanos, mm. it's worth it. And okay. and to, to see them take that Infinity Gauntlet thing and mash it up a bunch and use the title or whatever, but then throw largely that story onto the big screen for the last two Avengers movies was incredible that's cool i didn't realize that was all his stuff yeah if, if right back from the the thanos quest like i think he brought it back in silver surfer mm-hmm. and and there's a bit of a storyline there and then the thanos quest thing and then infinity gauntlet and then infinity war was still okay and then it really tails off after like it gets really bad yeah I've, i i don't really read superhero stuff it doesn't really interest me but i i, I love jason aaron and he's Jason Aaron's doing incredible stuff right now. The War of the Realms, which I've slowly yeah. been reading, which is which is really good. But yeah, Jason Aaron for me, like, I, I more follow writers like and Jason Aaron, uh, Jeff Lemire, the Canadian Jeff Lemire. Yeah, I think is absolutely like Sweet Tooth and Essex County and stuff like that, and Trillium and like yeah, he, Ed Brubaker. Like, I mean, I mean, yeah, there's there's so many geniuses out there. Are there any good comic book podcasts you recommend? By the way, I'm trying to. I've been I've been listening to a few. I've been listening to one. That Jason Aaron was on. I forget the name. Hang on, let me just find it now. But um, I mean, obviously, there's millions out there. Um, but but Jason Aaron was on one. Um, here it is. Off panel. Have you heard that? I've heard of off panel, and yeah. I might have listened to one of their episodes based on who the guest was. But yeah, that's what I did as well. He's got a lot of good guests on there, actually. But a lot of people have never really heard of. But are there any you'd recommend? Or you know, actually, <clears throat> there aren't. I don't have. I'm always fighting for more free time. Yeah. to sort of absorb all the things I want to I want to do um, and I'm always running out of time to read comics in the first place so I'd much rather read the comics that I'm buying than listen to other people talk about them all right yeah that, that's that's completely fair so uh, you know finally guys uh, follow us at MetallicaPod get in touch with MetallicaPod at gmail.com if you want to hop on the show uh, support us on Patreon as well that So What video series will be there and what I'll be doing is whenever I'll do a new episode it'll go on there like a week two weeks before so if you want to get premium access to that also the episodes such as this that go on there for the RSS feed we'll be back very shortly shortly we're doing two a week as you guys are aware so the next one we got coming up is the other song that metallica did with ronnie in its title ronnie rising medley we then got sabra cadabra and we're doing that with roy of sabra bloody podcast the only black sabra podcast going which if you guys aren't listening already i mentioned it many times definitely go and check out i love that podcast then we're doing sad but true and seek and destroy into shoot me again and the shortest straw kind of ruined by sliver afterwards but you can't win them all you know so uh yeah this has been tom Alf Metallica. I guess finally, Phil, is anything you'd like to promote yourself? Uh, no, not at the moment. I'm I'm working on starting a podcast myself, mm. but it's it's still too embryonic to be able to uh, to tell people where they can go to look for it. Okay, okay, cool. So yeah, this has been Tom Alf Metallica. Phil, thank you again. Hey man, thanks for having me. 